You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. follow God. When we follow hard after God, when we choose to follow God, seek Him with our heart, and when He guides us and when He leads us, even if you're elevated to a position of authority like David was, turmoil comes into our lives. You ever notice that? Turmoil comes into our lives. It's like the more you follow hard after God, the harder the turmoil is. The more difficult the turmoil becomes. The reality of faith is that as soon as you believe in Jesus, you have an enemy who seeks to draw you back to him. If you believe and follow God, you're not immune to tribulation. However, as Pastor Dave will explain today, by believing in and abiding closely with Jesus, you can have his peace despite any trouble. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 3, as he begins his message, David Mourns Abner. Second Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at the last couple verses in the chapter 30, 31 through 39. And, uh, you know, we probably should read it, and then we'll get, we'll get into the study. Second Samuel 3, beginning in verse 31. Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes, gird yourselves with sackcloth, and mourn for Abner. And King David followed the coffin. So they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And the king sang a lament over Abner and said, Should Abner die as a a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, nor your feet put in fetters. As a man falls before the wicked man, so you fell. Then all the people wept over him again. And when all the people came to persuade David to eat food while it was still day, David took an oath saying, God do so to me, and more also if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. Now all the people took note of it, and it pleased them, since whatever the king did pleased all the people. For all the people in all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's intent to kill Abner, the son of Ner. Then the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I am weak today, though anointed king. And these men, the sons of Zeruah, are too harsh for me. The Lord shall repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. So everything looked pretty peaceful. Everything's been going along real great for David. The restoration of the nation is in sight. Looks good. Abner had come and joined forces with David. The rest of Israel was soon going to follow because Abner was the commander of Saul's army and he had great pull over the kingdom of Israel and he was going to bring them, connect with the king of Israel and into with Judah and the nation would become one again. And even though Ishbosheth was still on the throne and eventually David would have to deal with him along with the loyal supporters of the king Saul, things were looking up. Things were looking good. David was on the throne. He had been placed there by the men of Judah who 
recognize the fact that God had anointed him a long time ago. So he was on the throne, and things were looking good. But lurking, like that word lurking, lurking behind the scenes was a landmine that was ready to explode. His name was Joab. A landmine was ready to explode. We read in chapter 2 that Abner had killed Joab's brother, Ashiel, at the beginning of the war between the two nations. And because of this, Joab vowed revenge, wanted to get even with Abner for the death of his brother. When Joab came from raiding other towns, he found out David, who, by the way, is his uncle, he found out that David had made a covenant with Abner, and they became friends. And because of this, he was furious. He was really, really angry. And I think the anger got the best of them. So he secretly arranged a meeting with Abner outside the gates of the city where he killed him. And he got his revenge for his brother Ashiel. When David heard the news of Abner's death, he immediately disclaimed any part of what happened and even went so far as to call a curse down on Joab. He used the name, the plagues, that Moses had warned about in the covenant in Deuteronomy 28. So immediately after David had been anointed king of Judah, there was much turmoil in the kingdom. Immediately after David had assumed the throne that God had given him, that God had called him to, there was all this turmoil. There was a war with Israel. There was a covenant that he made with one of the, of the commanders of Israel's army to get the two nations together, and that covenant was broken because of a death. Setback after setback after setback on the road to restoration for the nation Israel. And I got to thinking about this, and as I looked at it, and I started thinking about the way we follow God. When we follow hard after God, when we choose to follow God, Seek him with our hearts. And when he guides us and when he leads us, even if you're elevated to a position of authority like David was, turmoil comes into our lives. You ever notice that? Turmoil comes into our lives. It's like the more you follow hard after God, the harder the turmoil is. The more difficult the turmoil becomes. I want to follow after God. Bam! Right in the head, you know? I got saved in 1991 in April. And in November of that year, my wife lost her father. And a week later, our son Joe went off the deep end and we had to be committed to a mental institution. You have an enemy as soon as you get saved. As soon as you make that commitment to Jesus Christ, it's almost like a bullseye comes onto your body and you have an enemy. Just because you're seeking God and just because you're serving him and worshiping him does not mean you're going to have a lack of problems or a lack of adverse circumstances. I'm sorry. It's just the opposite. Jesus said that very thing to his disciples in John 16, 33. And some millennium will study it as we go through the book of John. But in 1633, you know the scripture I'm going to. You probably can quote it with me. 1633, Jesus says, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I love that. I love that. Tribulation was promised to the disciples, but the remedy for the tribulation was given at the start, and it's the same as the remedy that is today. Jesus said, In me you will have peace. The first thing Jesus says out of his mouth is, In me you'll have peace. 
In me you have peace. Jesus offered the disciples peace. He made an offer in the most unlikely circumstances because at any minute, at any minute while he's speaking, Judas would come, all his people, and the plot would thicken, and Jesus would be arrested. He knew that he was going to be arrested. He knew that he was going to be forsaken. He knew that he was going to be mocked, rejected, humiliated, tortured, and executed before the day was over. We think that the disciples should have comforted him in this. Yes, but Jesus had peace, enough to offer peace to others. Some of us have some dire circumstances in our lives. Even some of you right now are going through some dire circumstances in your life. We never minimize people's circumstances because it's hard. It's hard. But Jesus said, in me you'll have peace. In me you'll have peace. Jesus didn't promise peace. He offered it. He offered it. In me you'll have peace. People may follow Jesus yet deny themselves peace. We gain this peace when Jesus offers to it by finding him, abiding in him. Abide in me and I in you. And you'll bear much fruit. You can do nothing apart from me. We don't find real peace anywhere else except in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. And most of you, before you became a Christian, probably tried to find peace someplace else. You probably look for peace someplace else. But when you're in the midst of a dire circumstances, the world will not give you peace. Some of your friends won't even give you peace. Your family might not give you peace. But Jesus will always offer you peace. He will always offer you peace. Jesus made a way to have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, having been justified by faith, we have peace of God, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus made a way with peace for others. In Ephesians 2.14, he is our peace, and he's made to both one by breaking down the middle wall of division. And he's talking about the Jew and the Gentile, the wall that was between them. Jesus broke that down, and we became one, for he is our peace. The word peace is essentially meaningful in the context of tribulation. And overcome, it both speaks of a battle. I said this before. The Christian life is not a playground. Christian life is a battlefield. It is a battlefield. You are in a war. Paul tells Timothy to endure afflictions like a good soldier. Endure afflictions like a good soldier. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. He made this promise of tribulation. He offers peace, but he says you're going to have tribulation. Wait a minute. You offer peace, but you're going to have tribulation. Tribulation is promised. My usual statement is not many of you have that on your refrigerator, I'm sure. When we understand this, false hope is removed. When we understand that our peace is in Christ, false hope in something else is removed. Because we know from whence our peace comes. It comes in Jesus Christ as we're abiding in him. In him. We're going to struggle in the world. There's going to be tribulation. It's a fact. But in Christ we'll have peace in the midst of the crazy circumstances. Circumstances are going to come and go. They're going to change on a regular basis. Some of our circumstances change daily. But the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace of God that guards our heart, guards our mind in Christ Jesus is ours to take. It's offered to us in Christ Jesus. 
That's where we get it. Regardless if you're rejected or if you're mocked. Regardless. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. He did overcome the world. On that cross, he overcame the world. Jesus wanted to comfort and strengthen his disciples, just like I want to comfort and strengthen you. In Christ, you're going to have peace. Yes, in the world, you will have tribulation. But look at the way it's worded. In me, you'll have peace. Yeah, you'll have tribulation in the world. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He gives us the answer from the very get-go. Jesus wanted to comfort and strengthen his disciples, just like the Lord wants to comfort and strengthen you, to build you up in the faith that we... The one disciple prayed, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me when I'm struggling. He didn't say, cheer up. He didn't say, try harder. He didn't say, buckle up your bootstraps and get to work. Jesus knew that where the victory was, Jesus knew that the victory was going to happen on a cross. And he would be the victor. And in him, we are victors. We are more than overcomers. We are more than overcomers in Christ. That is our position in Christ. And knowing that Jesus has overcome the world brings us good cheer. We can be cheerful. What can man do to me? What can they do? It's the foundation for our peace. Jesus is in control. Praise the Lord for that. I tried it my way, gang, and it doesn't work for me. My way didn't work for me. My goodness. Praise God he's in control. He has not abdicated the throne. He is still there. He doesn't abandon you when you're in your time of need. That's when he comes the most, when you're in your time of need, to comfort and to console you, to let you know, I'm here with you. I will never leave nor forsake you. I am here with you until the end of the age. I'm here with you. That's where the victory is, and that is enough for us to have cheer. So what am I saying? I'm saying stay close to Christ. Abide in him. Him. You guys could have been someplace else, but you chose to come to Bible study. That's abiding in Christ, coming to hear the word of God, iron, sharpening iron, being blessed by the brethren, being blessed by God. Never see yourself separated from Christ. Never see yourself separated from Christ. So as we come to the end of chapter 3, David's commanding Joab and his army to mourn Abner and to attend his funeral. 30 to 34. 31 to 34. Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, he's talking to Joab and his whole army, tear your clothes, gird yourself with sackcloth, and mourn for Abner. The king followed the coffin, King David. So they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at a grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And the king sang a lament over Abner and said, Should Abner die as a fool dies, your hands were not bound, nor your feet put in fetters. As a man falls before the wicked, so you fell. Then all the people wept over him again. David gives a public demonstration of his disapproval of Abner's deeds. He cursed Joab. He cursed Joab's house. And he puts on this big demonstration at the funeral, laments over Abner's death. He wanted the people to understand that he was not responsible for this death. He didn't want it to happen. David was upset. He didn't want his kingdom established by violence. David, although a great warrior, the killer of Goliath, a great and mighty warrior, didn't want violence to take over the kingdom. He wanted to assume the kingdom the way God wanted it to be done, peacefully, with kindness, with mercy. 
David was a kind man. He wanted God to establish the kingdom, and then God would punish his enemies. So often we want our, our, king, our kingdom established right now, and we want to take our enemies out. Let me add them, Lord. We want to take care of them. We want to establish our kingdom. Lord, your kingdom can wait. My kingdom now. That's the way we think. David still believed that vengeance belonged to the Lord. Do you believe that? When you're driving? David commands us all to put on sackcloth, he said, and weep over the death of Abner, and he walks behind the coffin. I love this. Should Abner die as a fool dies, your hands were not bound, nor your feet put in fetters as a man falls before wicked men, so you fell. David tells the people that what happened to Abner was not right. It was wrong. He should not have died that way. He didn't deserve to die. He was tricked. He was seduced. Joab took him outside of the city. Why? Because Hebron was a city of refuge. He was a city of refuge according to the law of Moses. As long as Abner stayed in the city, he couldn't be touched by any of Ashiel's relatives. No one could touch him. Joab knew that if he took him outside the city, he could kill him. And he did. That's exactly what happened. He was lured outside. This brings me to another point. It goes along with what we talked about just a minute ago. We also have a refuge. His name is Jesus Christ. We sang, he is our refuge. He is our strength. We need to cling to him, and we should never be lured away from him. See, Joab here is like a, a type of evil, luring away Abner from David, just like the world, the flesh, and the devil want to lure you away from Christ. And they dangle all sorts of wonderful, neat little things in your, in your head. And some of them are good things. Some of them are good things, and when you grab at them, when you snatch at them, you become lured away from Christ, disassociated with Christ because you're doing these good things. Even family can come in the way of you and Christ. Family can come in the way, and family's a good thing. But if it comes before Christ, it can get in trouble. We cannot give up our protection. We cannot lose our protection. It's found in Jesus Christ. Abner was a great man of war. He was a commander of the army of Saul. He was loyal to a fault, but David said he died like a fool because he knew that Hebron was a city of refuge. And he was lured outside of the city where he could be killed. We need to stay in the shadow of his wings. And I got a, a, a reference here that I have to look at, see what it says. Oh, yeah. 1334 of Luke. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you are not willing picture of God wanting to gather you together, squeeze you tight, hold on to you. Are you willing to let him do that? In your trouble, in the midst of your hard time, are you willing to let him do that? You'll find great comfort in that. You'll find great soothing and great strength in that as he gathers you together. Just let him wrap his arms around you. Don't step away from the refuge. Don't get out of Christ. Don't get away from Christ. 
Look at 35 and 36. And when all the people came to persuade David to eat food while it was still day, David took an oath saying, God, do so to me and or also if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. Now all the people took note of it and it pleased them since whatever the king did pleased all the people. I like that. Whatever the king did pleased all the people. Naturally. King tells a joke. Guess what? Everybody laughs. <laughs> you better. <laughs> you better laugh. David was behaving very wisely here. He was allowing God to work. He was allowing God to establish the kingdom with him. In other words, even though he knew that he'd been anointed by God, he knew he was the king of Israel. He knew he was the king of all of Israel, not just Judah. He figured if God anointed me king and God wants me to get king, God's able to work out the circumstances. If you're a child of God, you know, we used to sing sing a song, he is able. He's able to do whatever concerns me today. He's able. He's more than able. He will do whatever concerns you if you allow him to do it. If you roll your sleeves up and push him out of the way, then he'll let you do it until you cry back to him. David isn't trying to work things out for himself. He's letting God take care of these things. He's behaving very wisely here. We've seen David at his best, and we've seen David at his worst, and we're going to continue to see this. And I like this David. Last week I told you I didn't like that David. But this week, I like this David. He's on the rebound. He's behaving wisely. He's behaving prudently. And the people are beginning to notice it. People are feeling friendly to him. They're feeling feeling his kindness. David shows a ton of heart here. And he does the right thing. And he's not promoting himself. That's what I love about David. He's promoting God. I love that. So many of us want to promote ourselves. So many of us want to be, you know, I've said this before. How many times have you ever heard somebody said, we want to be number two? I think Avis is the only people that ever said that. I'm dating myself now, right? Okay. One of the Psalms, the psalmist said this in Psalm 75, verse 6, exaltation comes not from the east or the west, but promotion comes from the Lord. You want to be promoted in the Lord? Stay with the Lord. Be faithful to him. Be faithful in the little things. He'll make you faithful in many things. Stay with the Lord. Many people come through those doors and they want to be promoted. They see this stage and go, ooh, I want to be on stage. They want to be up front. Well, you can help us out. Well, what do you want me to do? Well, go back with the kids. Oh, I can't give. I can't do the kids. Well, that's okay. We got toilets that need to be cleaned. Whoa, wait a minute now. I draw the line of toilets. What would you like to do? I want to sing on the worship team. I want to be up front. God will promote you. God will raise you up. God will demonstrate in you a characteristics that's appealing to the leadership here, and we'll recognize it, and we'll raise you up as God shows us you. As you wait on God, and you minister to God, and serve his people, and do things. I love the fact when I see someone vacuuming who we didn't ask to vacuum. That's a heart. That's a heart. Someone who goes in, gets a vacuum, and starts vacuuming for no reason at all. We never ask the person to vacuum, and they're there vacuuming. I love that kind of stuff. I think that's cool. That's great. That shows me a heart to serve God. You are sure. 
Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through 2 Samuel when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of Scripture, getting to know God better through His own Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Or just visit assurehoperadio.com. If you're not able to join us in person, we are streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just follow the link you'll find at AssureHopeRadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message on Assure Hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover God doing great things in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another edition of Assure Hope.